Thank you, Jerry, for sharing an important word with us in that song. And what Lisa and Jerry have said and sung today is our prayer for every one of you. That you'd know the love and the embrace of Almighty God. That you'd know the healing and the deliverance and the life that He has for you. We have been praying and praying and praying that every one of you could have that. And as we said a moment ago in a prayer that James led us in, we believe that this hour is a divine appointment for you. God knew you'd be here. God knew all the stuff that would be a part of your life when you walked in the door and took a chair here. And it's His purpose in these next few minutes to meet with you, to embrace you, to touch you, to heal and save you. If you'll let Him. And so I have to ask the question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Because... Friend, everyone has hurts, hang-ups, habits. We're all busted. We're all broken. We all need healing. And the question is, do you want to be healed? And it's a legitimate question. It's the kind of question that Jesus would ask. Some of you will remember that one day Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda was kind of this collection area for all kinds of sick people, disabled, wounded, hurting people. The word used there is that there was a multitude of those kinds of people at the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus showed up. The place is just rampant with need. And yet Jesus zeroes in on one guy. Remember the story in John chapter 5? And he comes up to that guy, and we're told that that guy has been disabled and diseased for 38 years. And he's at the pool of Bethesda where everybody collects with the hope of being healed. And yet Jesus asks him what seems to be a ridiculous question. And he says to the man, Do you want to be healed? You mean somebody could be pretty busted for 38 years and not really want to be healed? Yeah. That's what we mean. That's why Jesus asked the question. So friends, a lot of times when Jesus asks questions, it's not because He needs information. It's because we need the information that the question reveals. And sometimes we don't want to be healed because we just learned to walk with a limp. We've learned to carry out our conversations with that cough. Whatever perpetual 
sick thing there is about our lives, we just learn to normalize it. I recently chatted with a guy who has a habit that is absolutely destroying his marriage. It has rendered him ineffective in his work, and he has lost his work. And he sought me out to talk to me about it. And so as we unpacked his story, I just agreed with what he kind of already knew. This habit busting up your life. But guess what? Even with that fresh conversation and revelation, he did not want to be healed of that habit. His wife had said, you need to be healed of this habit. His boss had said it. Now he had sought me as a counselor. I said it. And he was like, you guys are ridiculous. This is not the problem. So there's an old saying that I've, I'm, I'm cleaning up just a little bit. That if someone says, your horse is rear, you ought to think about that. If two people say, your horse is rear, you might want to look in the mirror. If three people say you're a horse's rear, get a saddle. Because <laughs> there's something up there, my friend. There's something broken and busted. And everybody's getting it but you. Do you want to be healed? The Bible promises everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved will be redeemed, will be restored, will be healed. That promise is for you. And if you come today as someone who needs that healing, saving, restoring, rebuilding touch of Christ, He has chosen to honor us with His presence in these very moments to do that very thing. We've been on a journey together. It's just three weeks old. It's a journey toward a destination that we call a reasonably happy life. And the first step in that journey is to bust through some denial and admit that we have need. Admit that we have hurts and hang-ups and habits that require help. And Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount... Happy are you. You are on the path to a reasonably happy life if you get that. If you understand how poor and busted and broken you are. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. Who understand, who bust through the denial and get it. I need fixing. And then Jesus said in that same sermon, Happy are those. They're continuing down that road toward a reasonably happy life if they mourn. If they feel their pain, if they acknowledge their, their hurts and their hang-ups, if they understand that there is a power beyond themselves to whom they can mourn, to whom they can grieve, then they will be comforted. And we said that that second step is getting help. I not only admit I've got need, I'm going to get some help about that. I'm going to begin to lean into a belief there's a power beyond myself that can restore me. And in this place, we're betting our lives that that power is Jesus Christ. Which leads us to today's step, and that is 
I'm going to say, it is Jesus, and I'm going to let go. And I'm going to let God do what only God can do in my life. Jesus put it this way. He said, happy, you continue on that journey to happiness if you are meek. You're meek. That sounds weak. And it's just the opposite of that. The definition of meekness is power that's under control. And of course, we've said we can't control the power that is our lives. It's a word that's used about stallions that have been reined in and their power is under the control of one that guides its life. It's kind of like a mighty rushing river. Now, you know about mighty rushing rivers. If you fall into one, you're in danger of drowning and dying. But if a mighty rushing river is channeled through turbines, then that power becomes so transformed, it can light up an entire city. And what we're talking about with today's step of letting go of my life is letting go of all the potential, all the power, all that is a part of who I am, and giving that to God so that as it channels through Him, He transforms who I am into something glorious and mighty and wonderful. Moses was said in his day to be the meekest man on earth, which is to say... He was so in the hand and in the control of God, he was a mighty man. Jesus said, you're happy. You're on that path when you're meek, when you begin to let go of your life and let God have control of it, to be Lord over you. Now, letting go requires some action. And as we talk about what that action looks like, let me do it this way. A, it looks like accepting Christ. Now when we talk about accepting Christ, we're talking about coming to a position of saying, He's God, I'm not. He has the capacity to control and to manage me and everything else I don't. Therefore, I am going to turn my life. I'm going to let go of it and let him begin to be the Lord of my life because he's already the Lord of life. And so I will accept him. And then see, it looks like I'll commit to him. To commit means that as I accept him, which is a decision... I will then accompany that decision with commitment, with the acting out of a number of steps to fulfill that decision. So today, I don't want you to confuse this step with later steps, with other steps. Because this step is about a decision. Will there be other steps? Absolutely. But this is the crucial cross-path kind, crossroad kind of step. You don't get to the other ones without doing this one. And I make a decision that I am going to accept Christ and commit my life to Him and all the steps that He will lay out for me subsequently, later. So, 
some of you know that Sherry and I have been doing a remodel of our kitchen and dining room and living room. Uh, we had this wall between our kitchen, living room, and dining room, and we decided we want to get rid of the wall and we want to kind of remodel everything so that it's more open and more conducive to being with people and enjoying everybody at the same time. So understand, for us to take that action, it first of all involved a decision. We will go through everything that will be necessary to remodel a room. Then we had to commit ourselves to that because it was going to involve a lot of money. It was going to involve a lot of time. It was going to involve a lot of inconvenience. Are you with me? You've been there. Amen. Okay. And so we began to have to demolish things and tear things apart. We had a lot of decisions about where stuff was going to go and what kind of stuff we were going to have. Colors and textures and cabinetry and other kinds of woodwork and trim and all this kind of stuff. But it all began with a decision and a commitment. We, didn't even, we wouldn't have even got to all the other stuff if we hadn't made a decision and a commitment. And that's what we're talking about today. Today's step, today's action is will you decide to accept Christ and commit yourself to Him and then see what together He will build with your life. The next piece is that we will then turn it over to Him. Now, to turn it over to Him means that we will begin to entrust everything that there is about us to His control. Now, we like to think about life kind of like a pie. We divide it all up, right? All kinds of slices. And so I have my work life and I have my home life and I have my personal or social or recreational kind of life. I have my financial life and my sex life and my, you know, whatever else. God doesn't exactly look at our lives like a pie, but that's the way we tend to look at it. What, however we look at it, He wants the whole thing. The whole pie. And so Proverbs 3, 6 tells us, seek His will in all you do. Your entire life. And He will show you which path to take. He'll show you how to get down that road to a reasonably happy life. Turn it over to Him. And then I'll say to you in the fourth place, you've got to understand this is only the beginning. You make a decision today. I'm going to accept you. I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to turn it over to you. Touch me. Heal me. Transform me. Fix me. Rebuild me. Restore me. You make that decision today, friends. It is only the beginning. There's a whole lot more to come. But it is an important, essential, necessary beginning. If you are going to have surgery, friends, the surgery doesn't happen until you decide to get on the table. And when you decide to get on the table, then the surgeon begins to do his deal, right? And he'll wipe you down with all kinds of disinfectant, and then he'll cut you open, and then he'll do all this repair kind of stuff, and then he'll put you back together and sew it all up, and then you've got this recovery thing going on. But it all begins with you deciding to get on the table. He's not going to chase you with a scalpel. Come here, I'm trying to fix you. <laughs> Will you get on the table? 
God who began the good work in you. You get on the table, you allow Him to begin to work in your life. He who begins the work in you will continue the work until it is finally finished when Christ Jesus returns. Philippians 1.6 And then I'll say to you in the fifth place, it's got to happen one day at a time. Because you see, you're going to begin to understand, gosh, there's, there's a lot of things I need to be forgiven for. There's a lot of wrongs that I need to make right. There's not a lot of relationships that I need to repair. There's a lot of reconciliation. There's a lot of forgiveness that I need to get. And so you begin to think about all that's going to be involved. And friend, it can drive you crazy. You can't do it all at one time. It is one day at a time. And so God, because He's so good and He's so gracious... We'll deal with you about some things today. Then tomorrow, he'll begin to deal with you about some things in that day. And then the next, he'll deal with you about some things in that day. There's not one thing, not one thing you can do to change the past. And there's nothing that worrying and fretting and, and, and trying to maneuver yourself in such a way that can make the future happen all you got is today and he's asking for you place yourself in his hands today then when tomorrow gets here that day and then the next day that day one day at a time which leads us then to the next step today's step Will you not only admit you have need, that you need to get help, but will you let go? Will you let God? Will you accept Christ, commit yourself to Him, turn it over to Him, acknowledging that this is something that He and I are going to be about the rest of my life? This is a beginning. We'll do it a day at a time. He goes, Scott, um, I kind of, you know, I believe in God. And I definitely want to go to heaven someday when I die. So, you know, I, I'm all over that. I'm with you. Believe in God. Go to heaven someday. But all this life healing choices and process and group and life work and I just don't want to get into all that. What is all that? I mean, I'm glad that works for some people. Those people that need it. I don't want to get into all that. So, let me just, and I don't want to show you the whole verse yet. Let me just say it to you this way. It's the way Jesus said it. In Matthew 22, he tells a story about a wedding feast. And he says that uh, a king had a son who was about to get married, and so he's going to put on this great wedding feast. And he sends out servants to all the countryside to invite anyone who will to come to the wedding feast. 
And uh, what we're to understand in the story that those the king is God, the son is Jesus, the wedding feast is the consummation of Jesus' reign and rule for all time and eternity over everything. And we are the invitees and prophets and apostles and pastors and all those guys through the years are the servants that invite people to the feast. That's the whole picture of what Jesus is trying to portray there. But he says an interesting thing happens. There are lots of people that respond to the prophets and the apostles and the pastors through all the years, and they accept the invitation, and they come to the wedding feast, and the king shows up for the wedding feast, and he's kind of mingling around with all the crowd, and he sees a guy who is there without a wedding garment. He's not dressed for a wedding. And so he comes up to the guy in the wedding garment, and he says, What are you doing in here? A wedding feast without a wedding garment. And you go, God gets hung up over clothes? No, here's what you need to understand. The wedding garment represents a changed life. What are you doing in heaven without a changed life? Only people with changed lives come into heaven. And so he says to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, don't misunderstand. You don't just have a little mental assent. Yeah, there's a God. And go to heaven. You accept Him. You commit to Him. You turn it over to Him. You allow Him to transform and save and, and heal and rebuild and restore you so that you have a garment that takes you into heaven. I mean, anybody in their right mind, if they really believe there was a heaven and hell, says, I'll take heaven. I don't want hell. But it's not about just a mental game of, oh, yeah, I'm sure there's a God. It's placing your one and only life into the hand of God. That's what we're talking about. Will you do that today? Will you turn your life over to Christ today? And through the years, friends, when men and women have said, okay, I admit I'm a needy person. I am a sinner that needs a Savior. I will get help from Him. I will let go and let God. I will uh, allow Him to save, redeem, restore, renew me. Then they've gone public about that. They've not been ashamed about that. And they did it the way Jesus said do it. They publicly identified with Him in baptism. Whereby someone is lowered into water, signifying, I'm immersing my life into Jesus because He's my hope. He's my help. He's my Savior. March 1, we're going to be doing a baptism service right here in this room in this hour. Will you... Turn your life over to Christ. Will you unashamedly so identify with Him that you'll be baptized? On your 
connection card that we referenced earlier in the service. On the back side, there's a little area with the next step commitments. If that's where you are, if that's where you feel God prompting and leading you today, I'm going to encourage you to check those. And in a minute, when we turn those in, that will come directly to my attention. I'll follow up with you about that. Let's pray together. So, Father, in this moment, this divine appointment, I pray everyone that needs your help, everyone that needs your forgiveness and salvation and restoration, I pray that, God, they let go. I pray that they would accept you and commit to you. Turn it over to you. I pray that you would envelop and embrace and hold and empower them now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.